welcome to Uncaged Wisdom, your new talking video heads piece where Kayla Sigmeyer and myself, Julian Brace Davis, take you on a light and tumble journey through a host of timely topics in digital marketing. We're not embarking on this trip alone though. We'll be joined by a passionate subject matter expert who will share with us some of their industry insights and how they're solving problems with software and strategies. They'll also reveal what's entertaining them along the way. In this episode, we're very lucky to be joined by Tom Corbett, our very own Senior Deliverability Specialist at Cheetah Digital. One of the great challenges for all brands right now is making sure they are correctly communicating with customers about the continuity of their services during the coronavirus crisis. Email is still the best and preferred way for businesses to communicate, but what should they have in mind when it comes to deliverability? Kayla, shall we uncage some wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. Echoing Julian, we're super excited to have you. I think we're in a really unique time right now where retailers and just organizations in general are kind of in this panic. They're seeing their stores have to get shut down. They're forced online. Obviously, revenue is going to be down from that. A lot of these organizations, as a marketer standpoint, when you look at like CFOs and CMOs coming down, they're probably thinking their immediate reaction is like, we have to send more emails. We have to get like more in people's faces. I'm sure that as an expert here, you probably are saying, "Mm, no. So we'd love to kind of understand like, what are some things that companies should be keeping in mind to make sure that they're getting good inbox placement and they're making the right choices during this time? No, that's a great question. And it's, you know, it's a, a talking point that everyone in the industry has got. Um, I think the most important thing to remember is mailbox providers aren't making special allowances for these kind of emails. It's no different from you know, a Black Friday, you know, they're seeing a lot more email. The important thing is to always put recipient first. Revenue may be down, but your recipients are always going to come first and mailbox providers will always put them first. And put yourself in their shoes. You know, if you look at your own mailbox, what information are you receiving? You, know, you want to know about cancellation of a flight, a hotel booking. That's critical information, right? That makes that's impacting you. Products back in stock, essential food or medical supply information. You don't want to clutter people's inboxes with the same information every other brand has already sent and information that the government has already told us. So announcing a store closure, you don't need to send that information if it's already been told to us by our local government that non-essential businesses are closing. It's already out there. And using that as an opportunity to send your full database is only going to impact your inbox placement because you're going to be sending to people who haven't heard from you in, say, 12 years or possibly more. A good scenario would be, you know, just last week, I personally got an email from a car dealership telling me that for the safety of their staff, the dealership was closed. An hour later, I then get a marketing email saying, hey, come to our showroom sale. Not a good situation to be in because it sounds like they're putting the safety of their staff first before their own customer and wanting me to purchase something. Nothing's really changed from a deliverability standpoint. You need to send consented email. I think this is actually a good opportunity. We've been told about our own hygiene and washing our hands. This is the perfect chance for people to look at their own data hygiene and remove people who aren't actually engaging with their brands and strip them out because consent and engagement is going to be more important than ever. Individuals are going to interact with your email in a very different way. We're all at home. Many of us may have children or families. They're homeschooling them. So the way they actually read and engage emails is very different. And the type of content that you're supplying them is going to be more relevant than ever. So ensuring that they stay engaged and you stay relevant means you're actually going to stay in their inbox. And as we come through this difficult time, you know, you're going to be where you need to be and your revenues are going to go back to where they were. 
Yeah. Great. And if you're a car salesman and you have to work, just make sure you know keep those uh, two meters. So maybe sell it from the bonnet to the boot. Bonnet and boot, yeah. Or they could sell to us over a WebEx like this, you know. Uh, I've heard a few companies are doing you know, sessions like this and I've, I've seen the community doing, mm-hmm. you know, especially yoga classes are doing them over Zoom now. Which So it's adjusting and using a different channel to yeah. do your marketing content, right? You, know, you can use your social media uh, channels, your, you know, your Instagram live. The message doesn't have to be sent over email if it's non-critical. Definitely, you know, there are brands out there doing some very good things, you know, making relevant offers to, you know, the stay-at-home wares, you know, to their active engaged audiences. That makes sense. Sending to your full database to say, hey, buy clothes of us and you've never seen us, spoken to us or bought in three years. You're not doing yourself any favors. I actually really like that conversation about using other channels other than email because I think we're looking at a completely different landscape. Nielsen was putting out a study recently. People are spending 12 hours a day online. Content absorption has gone up 60% since this has all started. Our neighborhood, we're practicing social distancing. We're having playdates on Zoom. We have our three-year-olds mm-hmm. just chatting on the computer. Like It's such a different world. And I think it's easy for marketers to kind of fall back on that. Like, this is what I'm used to. This is what's safe and normal. So this is a really, I like that you said that. It's a really good time to explore those new channels and start testing it out. Yeah, it sort of breeds new ideas and new approaches to things. And we're all living it ourselves, the three of us on this call. We've gone from our normal day to day to uh, scrambling on making sure we've got nice backgrounds or at least a plant when we're doing a a call, which always needs to be in video, to actually (laughs) what are other ways for us to communicate with our teams internally and externally. And um, and to your point, Tom, actually people are receptive to those those new ways of communicating as well. If If you come up with something that you hadn't thought of before and it's getting the message across, and in a way that people will digest it, they will give it a go now, whereas before perhaps we're a bit stuck in our ways. You know, this is the perfect time, you know, that we talk about segmentation and targeting audiences, but for the individuals you don't have information on, give them some of the power back. You know, preference centers is probably a, a great time to be implementing or updating right now. Like you said, everyone's at home spending more time online. They're willing to do that more of that value exchange. If you can provide them better tailored content moving forward when we're back in the real world, mm-hmm. You can give them a completely different um, shopping experience or customer experience, which I think is going to do wonders. Pretty good point on on a couple of things. Firstly, I've spent personally way too much making a Nintendo avatar. He looks better than me. And I'm thinking, wow, I hope my wife doesn't see this this avatar because I'll be left for it. But when it comes to yeah, sort of the, the, the preference engines and coming up with uh, experiences to um, to get some information in, if it's done the right way, there are the sort of emails when we're a bit more settled or different ways of communicating that you would be receptive to if it's providing that value exchange of actually this is quite entertaining. It's popped, something's popped up in my inbox. Maybe it's a, a, a personality quiz over a brand or as you said, maybe some shopping preferences. But do you feel that once we we're a bit more settled into things, we will be uh, more receptive to that? I think so. I think like you said, now we're kind of, some people are already suffering from this cabin fever kind of approach. Um, so they want to interact with people in any shape or form. I know the travel industry is struggling right now, but I've had a lot of my friends going, oh, I wish I was on a dream holiday right now. This is the perfect time to be talking to customers like, okay, where would you like to be going? Like, how can we you know, look to the future? Because a lot of flights have you know, been postponed, cancelled. You know, airlines are giving these credits. It's like, well, why not start looking to build a package for the summer, for, you know, for the winter? Um, but really tailor it. So you're adding value to that customer, building that true profile on who we are. Um, I think a lot of retailers are getting the real insight into what we are really like in our um, own shelf. 
I've heard some Zoom nightmares. I think there was an article published, I don't know if it was in the New York Times or something, where people don't realise how to use technology and they're not, they didn't realise they had their video running and they're like, yeah, the other half's doing laundry oh, in, in the, the background. And thing. Yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah. The girl this is why bathroom. you've got to watch cultural bastions like the Naked Gun. Don't leave your mic on when you go to the toilet. I was actually waiting for the mayor of New York to do that, but he's managed not to so far, so that's, that's <laughs> Sorry for the letdown, Julian. Oh, you know, it's uh, it's toilet humor. What can I say? Same old story. Boy finds girl, boy loses girl, girl finds boy. Boy forgets girl, boy remembers girl. And girl dies in a tragic blimp accident over the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day. Good year. No, the worst. Anything else that we, we want to talk around sort of the, the coronavirus uh, and communicating during that? Uh, is there anything yeah, else you want to cover? Yeah, I would just say if you're in doubt, don't do it. Like if you aren't sure <laughs> on what that message, just don't do it. You know, your reputation providers are going to, you know, mailbox providers are going to ding you. They do, they filter you day in, day out. If they're seeing behavior, which is uncharacteristic, you know, and you're widening your segmentation, it identifies you as a bad sender and it's going to be really difficult to recover. You know, Blacklist providers did a panel last week and they've you know, mentioned that this whole situation has highlighted a lot of true spammers out there who could be major retailers or you know any business out there because they're sending to lists that are clearly purchased, that have been harvested, that have clearly just been on file for a long time. So it's really calling out the bad actors. So send as you would an ordinary send beforehand, sending to customers who are engaged, who want your mail, who are consented. Um, if you're doing mixed messaging to say, hey, we're here for you or you know, our store's closed and it's got a 20% offer, it's a marketing email, it's then covered by Canadian anti-spam laws, so Castle or European or GDPR or CanSpam. So you really need to make that consideration as well. It's, yes, you need. it's important to communicate with customers and tell them information that's needed, but if everyone else is doing it, it's not new. And if you're not sure about it, just don't do it. Kind of like a little when in doubt, just take it out. I think there was one other thing that I kind of I want to ask you and I think it's okay to to say I think we're still looking into it but I know that we have been as a company looking out for our clients and kind of looking at the engagement rate and the impact that this all has had um, on email engagement specifically and so we're looking at open rates looking at click rates and there was some clear identifiers of like, you know, open rates started dropping, click rates started dropping, the engagement rates went, you know, way down during all of the like, here's what our company is doing, kind of what you're talking about, like everyone is sending the exact same email. And finally, engagement rates are starting to kind of pop up. But from a deliverability standpoint, are there any significant metrics or things that you're seeing right now that are things that like, we should be aware of and like, hey, kind of give a look at this metric specifically right now, I think is a big deal for you, especially like the segmentations or anything like that. This is a great question. I think, you know, know, volume frequency increases are always a big, big piece, right? If you were sending a million emails and suddenly sending 25 million, that's going to have an impact on you, right? A mailbox provider looks at your consistency and that's going to be uncharacteristic behavior. So send volumes one your actual delivery rate we're seeing a increase in bounces and some customers have you know some are sending to full file they're seeing huge hard bounce rates and that's a problem for them because ongoing covering from that can be quite difficult because yeah. they put themselves in i suppose the um 
kind of a quarantine box right now. But as you mentioned, no read rates, no opens have always been a key metric people focus on. But I think, you know, actual click-through rate is probably more important. People open, but a lot of filters are checking links now because people are maliciously taking advantage of the situation with viruses, compromising accounts. So actually have, having conversion on your site is going to be more important than an open. But open always gives you a key indicator. If you're seeing, let's just say 10% open at Hotmail, but you're seeing 0.1% at Gmail, you've definitely got an issue that you need to address and fix at that provider. So I think build yourself a benchmark mm-hmm. on what you were seeing before and kind of score yourself against that. You know, we're here to help. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people in the industry, you know, just offering help to people who aren't customers. You know, this is a difficult yeah. time and we all, all are here to help. So you can contact us, you know, having a conversation open like this is the whole point to get through this. A little bit like, you know, the way that we have to deal medically with what's happening right now, which is the best thing is to test and to just check the numbers on a regular basis. Then you can start to see where we are in the phases we're living through. All right. Well, Julian, do you want to do your favorite part? Well, yes. You see, Tom, (laughs) what we try to do is this is, this again, this is a concept before we end up getting locked away, hence the term uncaged wisdom. Mm -hmm. But we like to uh, not just uh, crack open the brains, that sounds a bit violent, of uh, of our contributors, but also just like to share what they're listening to, what they're watching, or what they're reading. So we normally have, well, we have one of each section, we break it up. So this is your choice. Would you like to do your watch? read or listen and it can be specific it could be just your own personal preferences may i start with read so i think from a blog industry industry perspective there's a blog um called words the wise which is kind of more focused towards deliverability um and it's kind of community-based so you know all of us in the deliverability space do talk to each other you know we aren't all against each other fine we all have a common good (laughs) i suppose but laura atkins is is very good at you know putting content together you know hearing what's in the space be it from providers or what we are all seeing and kind of putting it into a piece to read from a personal piece though um as i have a baby on the way my brother bought me um the expectant dad's handbook so it is a book written by dads (laughs) written by a dad for dads just trying to get you familiar with what what the whole press is going to be like which has actually been really useful Julian, yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I think one of the funniest chapters was be is that when you know the realization of you you are you know you're finding out you're pregnant. Um, he's written that there's going to be one of those moments where you're like, is it even mine? Is that you know fight or flight kind of moment? Which made me laugh because like I was very excited. <laughs> but you know it was interesting talking to my friends and at first some of them had said, yeah, is it even mine? Like wow, I've been married for ten years. Like, of course it's yours. <laughs> also, that's part of the surprise at the end. Yeah, I also love the idea of the next Marvel action adventure movie could be for a deliverability team. Your superheroes oh would all be one force for good. I mean, I think it might help insomniacs, right? You know, would we'll send you to sleep. <laughs> Talking about data, <laughs> um, and I've actually Brilliant. been reading um, the complete works of Winnie the Pooh. So oh, she, she she kicks a lot during the night. Love uh, reading that. You know, she'll fall asleep and then my wife will fall asleep. So it's perfect. It does remind me a lot of my childhood because I grew up quite close to where supposedly the 100 acre wood is in Ashdown oh, Forest in the UK. Do you, Tom, do you do it in like the, the real deep accent? Do I just it? can't. All my voices just seem to blend into one. I think the way it's written, some of the, you know, the, the sentences of the characters, like so-and-so said poo, and then it continues like, well, why did you say said poo when it's like three sentences and talking? <laughs> the bear called Winnie the Pooh, or Pooh for short. Good 
what a nice way to uh, to to kick on to our next segue, Kayla. I'm going to let you introduce this as you're the the host of the most. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, so kind of going back to deliverability, I think we want to look at this as like a future term perspective as well. So, you know, beyond COVID, like COVID eventually will you know grow, we'll find a cure, vaccine, we'll get through it. But, you know, going past that, like, what are some of the three things that, like, misconceptions or mistakes that marketers are making when it comes to deliverability that would be good to kind of call out for them in the future? Yeah, I think the most, the, the obvious one is that people, the misconception of delivery and deliverability. Um, I hear a lot of people saying, I have a great deliverability rate, and they're referencing how much mail has been delivered. Um, and then you look at their actual engagement, and, you know, they could be at 1% with people opening and clicking and you're like, well, that's not very good deliverability. Um, and to kind of clear that delivery is, you know, your mail being sent from a system like Cheetah Digital or another one um, and it being accepted by that mail provider, be it Hotmail, Gmail, your corporate email, whatever. Anything that, you know, doesn't get delivered is with bounce back and that could be a hard bounce, soft bounce. That's your delivery rate doesn't mean it's gone to inbox it just means a percentage has been accepted to be put somewhere a bit like putting your a letter in the in the mailbox you've delivered it and that's all you know um deliverability is kind of that ups carrier or fedex you know who, who's got that package and they want a signature of you know you could go to your reception you know, the package could be signed for and put on someone's desk that would be inbox placement right uh, quarantine would be, I don't know, maybe I didn't, was rude to our front desk person. They've got a bit of a beef with me. They'll hold the package maybe at their desk for having to bring it to me or they're busy. But that would be like, you know, uh, kind of quarantining it and uh, delayed delivery. But then you've got, a, oh, that person doesn't exist here and they just throw it in the bin. You know, that would be like going to spam, going to trash. So it's kind of giving people that understanding is, do look at your delivery rate. It is a key metric to, to your deliverability. If you've got 99 or 100% delivery rates, great. If you're seeing 76%, you've got a problem. And that kind of then goes to your data. A lot of customers um, talk about consent, um, saying my data is great. And this actually goes back to a story a very long time ago when I first started deliverability. Um, I had a customer saying, all my data is all opted in. You know, We speak to our customers on a regular basis. And... You know, we get a lot about, you know, replies, automated replies um, logged in the system I used to work with. And there was over 100 people, you know, who no longer work for the business they supposedly were talking to. Or they unfortunately have passed away. And it said on the water responder, this person has passed away. Please use this email address. So your data tells a really big story on how good a sender you are. We talked about hygiene before, you know. Doing it once doesn't mean your list and your inbox placement is going to be great. It's an ongoing practice. Just like gardening, you've got to do your weeding, you've got to cut your grass, you've just got to keep doing it frequently. The more you do it, the better your inbox placement is going to be, the more trusted you're going to be, because it's about having that good reputation and being trusted by a filter company. And I think the third one is, you know, a lot of people assume there's a silver bullet to fix this, right? They think, you know, we can press a button, we can just magically speak to Gmail and fix your problems for you. That's unfortunately not the way it works. Sometimes we are kind of maybe seen as the bad cops. We have to kind of play interpreter between the two. Every sender is different, right? All your data is different. Your message is different. Your tone of voice is different. Your overall goal is different. So everything's going to be case by case. Yes, there are certain things we can do together, you know, which 
uh, tried and tested and typically work. However, there might be small nuances of things where we have to do them slightly differently. You know, if you have a big problem at Gmail, the easiest thing to do is stop sending and kind of restart sending to a very small populace of customers who are very engaged. It's about, you know, like we said, have that conversation. Don't be afraid to ask the stupid question. There is no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to deliverability. It's ever-changing. You know, Gmail you know, used to be that really problem provider for everyone. Everyone hated them. Everyone went on about, you know, when they introduced the promo, the, the tabs, and we had a conversation about why is my email going to the promotions tab? It's the inbox. It's just a folder. That's, you know, it's just helping get customers to the information they want more easily. They're smart enough to know where your mail should be. Trying to trick the system, trying to play the system, they're going to catch you out and you're not going to get the mail that you want delivered and you're going to start losing money. Oh, for people who are like, um, maybe they have to reevaluate their current practices and take the the long-term approach that you just suggested there. Um, and let's face it, we're in a position now where we've got a bit of time on our hands potentially to, to look at the business uh, businesses and to, to, to evaluate things. And maybe, maybe this could be a good project for, for someone. When it comes to re- reviewing that whole section of a business with, with email, putting a strategy in place, is that, is that a month? Is it a process of you'd plan for years, like a five-year plan and for Premier League clubs when they're trying to get promoted? Um, what, how would you approach basically tearing it up and looking at it again? That's a really good question. I think, as you said, like the, it can vary, right? Um, there are little, you know, quick wins you can do. Obviously, removing uh, unengaged data is the easiest. You, know, you can do a very quick segmentation on any platform, right, to do that. I think the challenge is getting investment from your business, and that's where the time can then be an issue. But, you know, if you can test it, you know, you know split doing, doing a segment to say, right, here's all my active customers in one cell. Here's all my non-engaged customers in a cell. Send it as, you know, and one mailing with kind of a split. Then you've got the data to show your, you know, your the higher ups to go look of the people who are let's just say engaged in twelve months, we're getting you know twenty percent read rate, whatever that number may be. But then for your twelve months to eighteen months, let's just say it's that number who've never opened, we're getting a point one percent, and we're getting of that you know twenty people are clicking through. Is it actually worth your time and the money you're spending on sending to even send to them if they're not because it, if it costs more to send them an email than make? Why have you got them on farm? But these people can actually have a real big impact on your bottom line. And it's just doing a bit of a health check. You, know, you can do it ongoing. That's the easiest one. But, you know, reviewing your infrastructure, like how's your sending domain, like looking at your authentication, they can be bigger projects. And I have worked with customers where implementing certain security standards have taken over 12 months just because of the size of the company and how many offices they have. So I couldn't put a fine line on it, but doing you know, testing each, something yeah. each month, doing little changes, you will improve. Little and often. Or slow and steady wins the race. Yes. That now I'm just thinking about it. This is how my brain just jumps to complete random references. Now I'm thinking of Bugs Bunny and that tortoise <laughs> that always gets. I was, like one of the few times Bugs Bunny actually loses out because he, you know, he's, he's a character who normally gets his way. It is in the tortoise and the hare. Even Bugs can't get over that fable. Oh, yeah. That's what he thinks. Taylor, sorry, is there anything else you want to say? <laughs> uh, I mean, how can I follow that up, Julian? I don't know. Uh, oh, you want to no, do an Elmer Fudd impression? Please no. I do not want that on the internet. <laughs> but no, I think that that's really, really sound advice. And going back to your, 
your first statement around the deliverability rate. I think that's such a huge misconception in the market. I know I've previously worked for organizations where they were like, yes, that this is how we figure it out. We obviously don't have a deliverability problem because we're at 99%. There's no way. And it's, you know, lo and behold, when you start looking at that domain level and you look at open rates there, and it's definitely not the way to go. And I think it's good to call that out. Great. All right, Tom, now we can, we can lighten the mood. What's our uh, second series of free um, uh, things to recommend? I think, you know, everyone's watching, streaming a lot of content right now. I think Netflix and Disney Plus and all those, you know, Hulu and all that are going to run out of stuff eventually because someone's going to watch it all. But for me, I, I struggle. I think the biggest challenge is spending so much time trying to find stuff. But um, I actually... You're a browser. Major browser. But I actually um, started rewatching Luther. I was missing the UK a little bit. Oh, and I was like, really? right, I need to introduce the wife to Luther. I was like, this is some real acting. This is some real good crime. <laughs> so... The glorious three seasons, the first three, aren't they? Oh, my word. Yeah, my, uh, my wife was a little bit speechless come penultimate episode of season three. Uh, yes. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. I'm not going to spoil it. This, well, no this spoilers is a spoiler-free here, conversation. All you need to know is it's Idris Elba in its absolute finest policing form and brilliant, brilliant, brilliant scripts, which are sort of, for, for our like British sensitivities, they've got a bit of a Seven vibe going on, haven't they? Definitely a darker side of things. I think comparing to something more modern, like, I mean, you could kind of think more like I've also, you know, we watched The Outsider recently, so it's just good mm-hmm. writing. I think that's what yeah. makes good TV. But yeah, I think that's the main thing. You know, there's been a lot of binging right. on Disney+, Plus, but yeah, I think more time spent finding stuff than watching. Someone said to me once, hell is empty and all the devils are here. I can't explain what makes people do the things they do. I just know fantastic okay we've got anything else for tom i think that there's there's one more piece and this Mm -hmm. could be a little bit of overlap but there could be a little bit of new information so i still want to touch on this again looking at long-term business as usual kind of strategy what are some of the top metrics or information pieces that people should be looking for to make sure that they have good inbox placement so yeah, if you don't have access to you know inbox placement tools, as I mentioned, your open rate is probably one of the best indicators. And I always recommend customers benchmarking themselves. So look at your average read rate on a campaign, then look at the breakdown of you know, your domain delivery of how is your hotmail.com doing versus X provider, Y provider, and focus on the big providers. If you've got one that's six domain, the six, no, six recipients, and it's only got a 1% read rate, is that really a problem versus you're sending to you know, 300,000 at Gmail? They can give you key indications of how you're doing at an inbox placement rate. If, you know, if you're benching, benchmarking around the same, you're pretty consistent. I mentioned about your hard bounce rates. If you're getting big hard bounce rates, you've got a big problem. Soft bouncing as well can highlight some data you know, pieces with regards to reputation. Looking at your unsubscribe rate as well, you know, it's looking at, it's not just a case of people clicking, but people actually reviewing your content. Is it actually wanted? If you see a huge spike in unsubscribes, it's time to review what kind of message you're sending. Like, what are you trying to say? And like we said, content, content is a big piece. It's difficult to measure, but you know, reviewing that subject line versus the actual body copy, like are you being um, transparent with what you're trying to get across to your customers? You know, you're, you're trying to earn their trust at the end of the day. And if you're being seen as um, 
like being devious or causing mischief it's going to cause you problems and i think that's the main one like i said mm-hmm. like if you've got access to those inbox placement tools great but if you haven't there are metrics there and then you could have a conversation with someone you know reach out and say hey i'm seeing this big change can you help me validate is there something i need to take action on and don't be afraid to ask that question of okay well how should i segment that how should i change my program because you know, some people are new to the marketing game. You know, they've come in, they're seeing a problem. They don't know how to do it. Someone will help you. You know, we want to tell you how to, how to get the most out of your program. Our job is to want to be, you to be successful. We're seeing quick wins or highlighting changes. You know, it might be a case of reviewing your acquisition sources as well. If you know certain data scores and problems, it's time to follow it all the way back to, okay, is it from my Facebook acquisition data? Is it from my website? Is it from sweepstakes? Whatever it may be. Can I have a bonus question? Well, All right. Go on then. I think you've earned it. I mean, Tommy deserves a break now, but go on, Kate. Okay, throw in your Brucey bonus. There's a reference. I think <laughs> you will get. <laughs> Just like as I'm hearing you talk, and obviously we talked about the the blog piece you were discussing earlier, and your stories that may put people to sleep. <laughs> uh, I think Outrageous. that there's uh, never, never. I think there's a certain sense of passion, obviously, that you have for this subject matter, and I think as all marketers, when we're incredibly passionate about something, we always have like our soapbox, right? Like mine is, I. I don't like seeing when, you know, companies are being greedy and focused on their bottom line only and they're forgetting about the full consumer journey and like focusing on putting the customer first and what's best for them versus their bottom line. That's my soapbox, right? So what is what is your soapbox? I think from a deliverability is honesty, right? Don't lie to us because the data tells us a very different story, right? It you, know, you don't want to butt heads with anyone, but when you're being, you're know, seeing 20% hard bounce rates, huge complaint rates, blacklistings everywhere, and you know we're being told, but it's my data, it's you know it's all opted in, they consented, but like, but all of this is telling us a very different story. A blacklist provider doesn't just do it for no reason; they have the facts. If you're hitting, you know, pristine traps where you've data harvested, they know. They tell us. <laughs> You know, why, just be honest. It's not worth us wasting, going around in circles and then lying about it, you know, pretending you change your ways and then going back to those same practices. We're going to be going in the same conversation week after week, month after month, year after year. So, yeah, for me, it's just honesty. Well, Tommy, you've, you've not only have you delivered us a fantastic amount of information, this, you've also helped shape the future of our, our features. <laughs> Kayla's Soapbox is now probably yeah, my new favourite feature. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm already starting to think about how we would visualise Kayla's Soapbox, but uh, we'll, hmm. we'll, we'll come up with something. Let's talk about that <laughs> offline, Julian. <laughs> Great. To close then, again, Tom, you, you hit the hat trick. So um, yeah, is there anything you're listening to? Because this is it's all going to be listed oh. and it's all good recommendations. People should be watching Lufa. They should definitely pick up the books that you recommended for fathers to be or at least picking up Winnie the Pooh is there anything that's uh, tickling your ears right now so this work it all go downhill right uh, <laughs> there is no wrong answer probably so I think it's been a mix of things right um, I've got no shame to admit I'm a huge Beach Boys fan so you know in these times where we're stuck inside pretending you're at the beach wouldn't it be nice surf, yeah wouldn't it be nice uh, good vibrations you know <laughs> Had a lot of random, you know, classic playlists on, you know, to keep yeah. you sane, keep you calm. And um, but then, yeah, randomly, three things. I was looking at my top repeats actually before this. Brilliant. Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. I. Yeah. <laughs> I've had the weekend on. 
And and then Noel Horan. I don't know why. Yeah. None of us are Beach Boys. That's, what that's is going a, on, Sam? And, uh, and on that, actually, this is, this is a nosing into both of you. I should ask you before, Kayla, but do you guys listen to music when you're working? Or do you, because we write a lot, I guess, Kayla, so we have to sort of like, sometimes some people have to have music, classical music, or actually like, yeah, some rock, some rap. Some people can't. What, what are your views on that, Tom? Do you have stuff in the background where you're here? on a day-to-day yeah. basis usually classical or like jazz just something consistent just to keep focus you know when you're looking at data or you know trying to really focus on s- certain uh, triage issues not having major changes in music tone is very useful um but then once it's done you know then i can go to kind of a bit more wild like yeah rock Excellent. and stuff but for me it's i can listen to music anytime except when i'm writing Cause I think when I'm writing, I start getting like 19 billion ideas in my head and I just need silence. I know it's my <laughs> mind a, is a disaster. A <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like a teenage boy's bedroom up there. Um, uh, that is not, look, you, this is such a nice episode <laughs> and then look what you've done. You've been trashed up t- boys. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, that was a very, keep, that was a very sexist statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> There we go. Well, on that note, on trashing all men. Uh, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tom, thank you God. so much for that, by the way. Um, no, but yeah, happy been, to be here. Pleasure. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. thanks so much. Jeez.